Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 468 on Monday, the 25th of April, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be noting that Gone won't be holidaying in the south of France this year. We see how tired Lancashire County Council are at resurfacing roads. And we now want to visit a museum in Hiroshima. Now? Well... Yes, because it's finished. But first, there is a smidgen of follow-up, and it is the news that Carlos Ghosn has a new arrest warrant put out for him, international arrest warrant. This time it's from prosecutors in France, and it's to do with payments that are suspicious, he says in inverted commas, and allegedly heavily here, to do with payments made to a car distributor in Oman. They are the Suhail Bawan automobiles in Oman hmm. where that they've been linked when well this was a year ago, 18 months this came up. Is, is that all? It feels like longer. But they very much are the sort of hinge pin in all of this mm. in in a lot of the things that people are saying they want to investigate carlos going over tend to be around the payments uh involved with yes the european uh, investigation yes yeah. european investigation pardon. yes not the made-up japanese ones yeah that's true gone said he uh will fight this in court although obviously he won't turn up because he's in beirut there is no extradition to France because there isn't an agreement between Lebanon and France but he expresses his innocence and like I say this has been under investigation for a long time I particularly like that his his lawyer his lawyer Jean Tamale at that well known Lebanese French uh, law firm King and Spaulding <laughs> did make me chuckle <laughs> yes right do you want to take us to the big news that got people in a lather last week but i think it got tech people in a lather because it's very much more a tech story and and tech people get lathered up very very quickly and easily according to to uh, her majesty's government britain moves closer to a self-driving revolution supposedly there will be changes to the highway code that will mean that the first wave of self-driving vehicles, quote-unquote, can be used safely on UK roads. However, the line that everybody picked up on was the fact that you would be allowed to watch TV in self-driving vehicles. Andrew, you love topics like this. You'll be allowed to watch the infotainment screen. Yes. Essentially, they're trying to say that you can be eyes off the road if the vehicle is one- on the list of self-driving vehicles that the Minister for Transport has filled out, of which at the moment, just a reminder for everyone... I I was going to ask you to list all of these. Okay. And we're done. Yes. (laughs) There isn't a single one on there because there isn't any with the capability. The presumption is that this will first come in with the automated lane-keeping assist systems that are talked about controlling a vehicle on a motorway in congested traffic up to 37 miles an hour. So there's an awful lot of caveats before the thing can be activated and used. Again, there isn't a vehicle out there that will do this that is for sale and has that technology fitted on British roads. It's not happening anytime soon. Now, there was a lot made out about being eyes off the road. I would strongly argue, and I'd love to see the justification if this isn't the case, I'd strongly argue if your eyes are off the road watching TV, your mind is also off-road. I'm still 
very much confused by this because they're talking about a sort of level three type system which will give you a warning to say you need you as the driver need to get back in control fully up to speed with what's going on we're going to hand over to you in you know whatever the countdown is i was driving driving a car the other week and it had lane change assist the idea was you just touch the indicator thing and it would change the lane for you in that direction i must have changed lanes oh a good few hundred times in the 600 miles I guess definitely many tens, many, many tens of tens of things. I think it successfully did it once. Mm. I think we're a while away from this. And by the way, otherwise, very good adaptive cruise, very good lane keeping assist. But just when it comes to that next level of just like, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not sure about everything. Then I think that that's what makes me think this is a while away. Continue to think. Sorry, I'll just refer everyone back to what I was saying last week with the NCAP and the safety tech because I don't want to just harp on about it again. Everybody knows my feelings on this all. But you've been doing that for six years, mate. But uh, yeah, but I, I try not to do it all the time. <laughs> I know I do it repeatedly, but not all the time. Uh, in the show notes will be the link to the government's own press release, which has some very interesting language because when it is quoting the Transport Minister, Trudy Harrison. There is an awful lot of definite language. This will happen. It will improve. This will get better, blah, blah, blah. But when you read the wording coming from the Department of Transport, generally, it's very much a, we hope, could, might, should. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it is very much... Which, which is the language that you'd ex that you'd expect. I mean, it sounds well, like... that I'd hope for. You ba you've basically just Moscowed stuff there. Yeah. I'd hope for it to be much more cautious, particularly as it is so far from being ready, if at mm -hmm. all. Yes. But there will also be an excellent article, probably the best article I read about all this, from The Register. Uh, linked in the show notes as well. As well as one about AI and stuff as well. Yes, there is a, an, an excellent article uh, about uh, how limited AI and machine learning is. Mm -hmm. Which is very much, it's, it's very much not automotive, but we know that many of you are interested in that kind of thing. So yeah. that's in the show notes at motoringpodcast.com. Next story, the owner of Morgan which is, well, the controlling shareholder of Morgan, is an Italian company called Invest Industrial. It's kind of one of those things, obviously, if you, you don't really think about too much, because Morgan is, is there and it's happy and it's being awfully British about things. And that's what matters with Morgan, really, isn't it? Yes. But in the background, Invest Industrial has just industrially invested uh, 120 million euros, or about 99.7 million pounds right at the minute, in the RIMAC group, they're joining Porsche and Hyundai and a num number of other companies as some of the major investors in there. Now, obviously, RIMAC is very well known. So RIMAC technology is very well known for its EV drivetrains hmm. and battery tech and that kind of stuff, particularly for performance EVs. I think that's what they're best known for. But also the fact that recently they split to Bugatti Rimac and the Rimac technology, yeah. didn't they? Yes, exactly. Car bit, technology bit, everyone else can buy into. You know, one area for really showing off what they can do and another area for developing, you know, actual saleable solutions, I guess. I've just phrased that really badly, but hopefully, hopefully you all understand what I mean. Uh, but I think that's really interesting and significant for 
Morgan as Invest Industrial's showcase for what it in turn can do. And I, I think that's great for, I think that's really good for, for Morgan and for the future, really. More, there's a lot of EV news this week, folks. But the next one here is a new law in the UK to try to make the rapid charging network here 99% reliable. Okay, so they're going to be introducing a new laws later this year, aiming for that 99% reliability. Obviously, that's a major challenge right at the minute, is the fact that sometimes you plug in your EV and you go, great, I'm off to have a coffee. So you go off to your coffee, you come back 20 minutes later thinking, should have plenty of charge by now? And you discover it clicked off after three minutes. Mm. And that is more frustrating than, possibly more frustrating than the charger just not flipping working in the first place. Obviously, this is becoming a challenge because that means that you end up blocking a charger for longer than you intended and helping people in queues uh, and that kind of thing. This plan is that if you go to a rapid charging network, 99% reliable, please. There must be a catch out. It would be interesting to know what they define as reliable, that it charges at mm. all is okay or that it charges at a rapid rate is what they are demanding. Yes, I think it's, yeah. I would hope it's at rapid. <laughs> The, the devil's going to be in the detail on this one, and obviously there's not nearly enough about that because it makes a nice headline. I'm curious to see just what the Department for Transport is really going to say or do about this and what it defines as reliability, because that's very much a qualitative measure, really, at the minute. So how are they going to break that down into quantitative statements that can be easily measured, especially when the reliability rate they're looking for is such a high percent? Mm. Because this is all part of their strategy to make a world-class charging grid out there that uh, the Transport Minister talked about not long ago at the SMMT event. Are we going to level up to that world-class Yes, something like that. Uh, The aim is for 300,000 new charging points to be available across the country by 2030. And the government has reiterated or has made clear that it promises that they will be across the country and working by 2030, but I've still not seen anywhere that it's legislating or mandating that it has to happen. So we are, on that bit, still stuck with the thoughts and prayers strategy. (laughs) Yes. Can I make another quick clarification, by the way? The 99% reliability is on the rapid charging network. Mm -hmm. Uh, The 300,000 number includes all the non-one. Yeah. Be aware that the two... The two are two different measures. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. The 300,000, any charging point from seven kilowatt upwards. Yeah. Mm. You're right. You're right. The principle is a good idea. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sorry. By the way, it may sound like we're moaning and complaining. The execution, let's see, but the the principle is good and yeah, will hopefully, if done well, it will bring some confidence to all of us who have to use it. That's what it's really about, is about bringing confidence. I think it's a good thing to do. I think 99% is highly ambitious, but I do think it's a good thing to do. Right, sticking with charging points, and this is news that GridServe has opened a new electric forecourt in Norwich. Do click through on the link for this one, actually, because if you haven't seen it, it looks really smart. It's They've basically created a, well, what would have been a petrol station, but for EV charging with shops and a cafe and Costa and stuff like that around it, which is exactly the sort of thing we've, or anybody to do with this has always said is charging whilst you're doing something else. 
Yeah. Um, because you need to as well, uh, unless you're just going to be sitting there. This has got actually 36 charging points. Mm-hmm. 22 are high powered, which means that it they offer up to 350 kilowatt, which claims that it can charge up to 100 miles in just five minutes. If your car can do it. If it's running at full tilt and your car can do it, obviously. So I, I think it looks really smart. It's a really good idea. It looks like it's accessible to people in wheelchairs who have limited mobility as well. There's no curbs. Mm. And whilst there are barriers to stop your cars rolling <laughs> into the charging points, obviously, uh, and it, it looks fresh and clean and modern and and it's undercover and it will be well lit at night. It, it's just, that's like the ideal, isn't it? Yeah, I think that this is, but you can do this when you're starting from, well, it's Norwich, so it will literally be uh, <laughs> a greenfield site. You, you can do that when you're starting new. The problems come you know, when you're just sticking them in the corner of your forecourt. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're trying to yeah. utilize an existing car park or something, that yeah. there is more of a challenge to that. And hopefully companies will start thinking about that a bit more. I'm really looking forward to actually using one of these at some point, uh, whenever grids are start to being able to build them somewhere that I go. Yes. Yes. As opposed to, you know, Norfolk. But this is another thing that grids have have said they'd do and they have done it exactly and there were sod all there before if yes. you remember do you remember we went we we couldn't do any of that in charging around britain we we literally had to go from the dartford tunnel to bury st edmunds and cut across we couldn't go around the edge because there was nothing yeah and even then until recently the only rapid on the coast of norfolk has been in great yarmouth hmm. good luck but i'm i'm impressed with good serve they seem to be executing on what they say they're going to do so far which are you know Fingers crossed they can maintain that. Massive whack of investment, and they seem to be investing it in doing things rather than just talking about it. Mm. Yep. Rather than making massive grand plans and not doing it. Oh, other places where they're going to bring the forecourt to, by the way, is Catwick Airport, Uckfield, Gateshead, Plymouth, Stevenage, and more than 30 additional sites. Well, sometimes I go past Stevenage. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's great. Uh, no, that that is that is good. Despite my silliness, that is good. Next up, more Department for Transport. Gosh, they really are sickening ourselves on them tonight, aren't they? Uh, I think this is the last. This is the last story like this. Good news, folks. The Department of Transport has revealed that there has been a thirty-three percent increase in the number of public EV charging points in the UK, with seven and a half thousand devices added to the network over the past year. That means that in total there are. 30,290 public electric vehicle charging devices available in the UK. 5,494 of them are rapid chargers. That's, yeah, rapid chargers being 50k and more. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yes. Wasn't it? Yeah, that is. That is. Um, I mean, it's when when the original story came out of uh, that we've mocked how they aren't mandating the number of charges mm. that need to be put in place. We did say at the time that we are confident that uh, industry and business will pick up most of the slack of this. And this is an example of that, that as more cars are out there, more companies want to take advantage of people mm. needing to charge their cars. So more charging points will get installed. But yes, exactly. And people will, well, the 300,000, did that include public? I can't remember. Yeah, there's 300,000 public charging points okay okay so not including private so no, that doesn't include how new houses have to have them 
Okay. And stuff like that. I was just checking on that. Sorry, I had this sudden thought there. But yeah, I know somebody's going to go, but that's only a tenth of the number. But look how quickly it's moved. Exactly. Exactly that. It's only increasing in speed. Just to note, uh, I can't remember whether it was this article or the other one that was talking about the 300,000, but the government have said that they've closed their consultation on accessibility. Oh, right. And in the next couple of months or so that they will publish their report and findings on that. Mm -hmm. People have filled it out and have got in touch. So hopefully things like the the Gridsurf forecourt that you can see in the pictures, that'll be sort of like a standard that places have to attain to rather than curbs and barriers and everything which just make it so hard and tightness of parking spaces as well mm-hmm. yes fingers crossed on that i'm sure we'll follow up on that whenever the report comes out yeah we will right i'm going to take us to lancashire unfortunately and uh, this is an interesting Ooh, one well, i can bad. say it <laughs> i know <laughs> i just felt i should stand up for their honor no you've been on the roads yeah all right fair enough <laughs> Uh, And this is the news that Lancashire are going to trial the use of recycled car tyres in a mixture with uh, with the asphalt, with environmentally... This is to make more environmentally friendly asphalt mix using granulated rubber for resurfacing roads. Now, they're doing it on one road in uh, Padham, or Abingdon Road. So I'm going to have to find out where that is, and I might go and just drive on it just to see what it's like. On you go, then. But the idea in this article on the BBC News website is that the main focus is that it will reduce the carbon dioxide emissions. And they reckon they the carbon footprint for that scheme has reduced by over 30%, which is quite a good chunk and is good to see but I think, isn't there, with with tyre, um, recycled tyres, other benefits? There are. I've just had this flash of inspiration about where I've heard some of this stuff before, so I'll go into that too. Yes, so supposedly, from what I've read before, then actually having the tyres and that sort of slightly rubberizedness inside the, the asphalt also makes it quieter and increases porosity. But this isn't a particularly new idea. So quite a lot of things now, if you think about things like uh, concrete bollards mm-hmm. and often bricks and things like that, then or, or curbs, then you can actually make those on site in some places, uh, particularly if it's if it's construction stuff. Uh, and actually, you can build in an awful lot of recycled or crushed material into them, including tires, including glass is another favorite. And you can actually put that into bulk up whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're you're creating or pouring. So that's one of the things. Obviously, that's one of the reasons. Here, you know, there's 150 tire volumes worth of not asphalt going into the road. So that has savings in other places. It stops things going into into landfill, for example. It doesn't just happen here, but it's there's lots of materials they can use. Tires make a lot of sense because of the sound deadening properties. Now. While you were talking there, I was thinking this through a bit more. Um, the worry now is, are we going to have to study the <laughs> particles that come off the actual roads themselves? Now? Oh, goodness. Oh, the, the micro particle. Oh, don't go there. I know, I know. But it, mm. as we as we hit the low-hanging fruit, like the tailpipe yes. emissions, 
digging things out of the ground to make new things, that sort of stuff. We do get to smaller and smaller, more detailed, granular, no, no pun intended, actually, granular elements <laughs> of this all, don't we? Liter- and Quite mean, literally. Andy, because quite we are literally. looking at, I mean, we're looking at dust and tyre particles. We wouldn't have done that 10 years ago, but we were talking about normal emissions. Yeah, this is very true. Obviously, because that's known, they, there must be a special way that this is mixed in or the amount that comes out is reduced, or hmm. I, I am presuming, I am hoping. Well, it's still a trial. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, if they, they find out that there are particles then uh, coming off that road, then they can just bounce back from it. Yes, that's very good. I was actually thinking, you know, you you won't know, but the uh, unless you've been there with your nephew, but the the, the new flooring yes. goes in playgrounds. Is it going to be like yes. that? The, the one just round, the one around the corner from me is all like that. Yes. So, so as we drive on, we're going to go bouncing, <laughs> especially with the speed humps. <laughs> <laughs> every car is a Citroen yeah it looks like a speed hump but it goes underneath you <laughs> this is where the F1 uh, technology will bring down because they're all porpoising at the moment aren't they so <laughs> how can you no, minimise that the great thing is downforce and, all the, and the track will go down <laughs> right before we get too hysterical <laughs> yes quite anyway guilt minute everyone it is Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel that the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and Spring Store, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts, and the hoodie that I was, uh, I was of course, modelling so wonderfully at Mr. Heritage yesterday. Yes. Something like that. Don't judge it by the hoodie, by the way, because my hoodie is the trial one and the logo is slightly out of out of wonk. If you saw that or spotted that in pictures, that's corrected on the real ones. If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released. And by liking the rating of the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, then thank you so very much. Uh, the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. And just one more thing about Bista. I don't want to... I know that anybody who's on Twitter yesterday must... And you're not, I know what it's like when you're not there and everyone's on Twitter going, this is wonderful, look at this, look at this amazing thing. I have no idea what you mean at all, Alan. I just want to say thanks to everyone who came up and said hello and listened and just did the whole, oh, I recognize your voice. Thank you. <laughs> Still freaks you out, eh? Yeah, it still freaks me the heck out. <laughs> so people say hello, and I can't. I don't don't know who they are, and and it takes me a while. And if you're one of those people that did then realize who you were, uh, I apologize for the blank look as I tried to search through my memory bank of names, faces, Twitter profiles, and everything else. Thank you, thank you. Right, WRC, and. Whilst we have waited a Formula E size gap for the latest round to arrive, a WRC Croatia rally did not disappoint. Wow. It had everything once again, as every WRC event seems to. But Rovampera, who was leading for virtually the entire event to the point where he had well over a minute's lead by the end of Friday, but then Conditions conspired, plus Tannic and his engineers made some very clever choices when it came to tyres. 
Hmm. Ended up on the penultimate stage. He was second behind Tanek. But then in the final special stage, ended up winning by 4.3 seconds overall, which is outstanding the way that it went Hmm. backwards and forwards. And that Rovan Paris, still so young and had the maturity to deal with the setbacks that he had, because there was a couple of stages where he lost shed loads of time um, through conditions. And I think he might have got one puncture. I think I, can't, I don't I can't I remember. I can't know. There was there was two stages where he lost real big time. Um and I think one of them was punctured. The other one was because the conditions and Tanik had picked the right tires. Uh, and and drove masterfully, but hmm. so uh, Rovan Pera is miles ahead in the overall standings. He is on seventy six points. Nouveau is second because he was third as well, despite having his real quite big scary moment in the last uh, stage. He's hmm. second on forty seven, and Craig Breen has crept to third. What it does mean though is Tanik has proven that he's not lost confidence he's not Mm. lost it because he must have had such a knock on his confidence with the first few events and the fact that there was he made a mistake there was a lot of technical issues that just took him out of the uh, contention and all the rest of it that was great to see i mean hyundai second and third i Mm. I never thought they'd be that high no even so soon into the you know so soon into the start of the season considering how bad they were at monte carlo Mm. Have to say, Elvin Evans had an absolute mare. I mean, he got points for the first time, and mm. he was fifth. But oh no, yeah, it's a bad one. Great. And there was oh, what was his name? It's still it's still so so early in the season though. Yes, it it is, but I think it's shaping up that the people we expected to be there thereabouts are there thereabouts. Apart yeah. from, I don't think anyone expected Rovan Pera to be quite so dominant. No, no, no. Manufacturers, it isn't quite quite the domination though. Toyota, um, you know, TGR at 126 points. Hyundai Motorsport at 83 points. M Sport Ford at 80 points. Plenty to play for there, really. Yeah, I think uh, Toyota T- TGR will get better if Evans starts finishing a few more <laughs> rallies. Well, yes, that would probably help. Yeah. 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 We do have a couple of quick notices, though, don't we? Yes, we do. So the dates and everything uh, pertaining to the 2022 Race of Remembrance in Anglesey, as well as the Karting Race of Remembrance and the I Race of Remembrance uh, online, uh, have all been released on the raceofremembrance.com website. If you're not sure what the Race of Remembrance is all about, if you're relatively new to Motoring Podcast, then I strongly recommend the Bad Obsession Motorsport video that they've just put out about their campaigning uh, at ROR last year. It's really just and it's a nice video it sort of captures it all very well i mean you could you could <laughs> i was sitting in my sitting room and i could feel the cold and the wind and everything else that you get in anglesey uh over the weekend over that weekend the dates just so you're aware 11th to the 13th of november um yeah do go please it will be streamed online as well again i believe 
Yes. Uh, so, yes, certainly the, the, the service will. So I'm, I'm looking forward to joining that because I'm pretty much certain I won't be able to join in person this year. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, oh, other one is that the ACO has released the program for uh, Le Mans over the weekend or the week week and a bit uh from the 3rd of june until the 12th of june yep and you can buy tickets and all the other good stuff that you would expect obviously the race itself starts at uh 4 p.m local time on saturday the 11th of june yes right new new car news and we have some this week and we're going to start with the 2022 BMW 7 Series. It's got a very big grill, Andrew. The, the grill is big. It's a big grill. Have you seen how big the grill it is? The big the, 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 the grill big, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much what Twitter said. <laughs> <laughs> Just in those exact words. Not, that was basically <laughs> what happened, yes. And they've cut the lights into. How much should we care? This is a car for China and a car for the United States. Well, that's the thing, because they make it clear that's in this autocar article that they have definitely taken direction from feedback from US and China, which are their two largest markets for the 7 Series. Countries well known to uh, admire beauty and taste. Yes. There was a, the, it was <laughs> odd, because you could see, if you, if you watch Twitter, design Twitter, really like this yes muggles like myself thought it's just pig ugly the grill was the least of the worries quite honestly the whole of the front's a mess although i don't mind the lights i'm not i don't mind those lights at all but 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 it also depends on whether you have an m sport trim version or a luxury trim version Uh, and yeah and if you have it in black you can hardly see any of it it seems to be the way to go (laughs) that's 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 how bmw uk spec all their press cars uh, it's yeah, and in Europe, everybody chooses, as you say, chooses the dark colours to disguise the big gawpy bits. And you know, I saw a couple of IXs today, and exactly the same principle follows. You spec it in a dark colour because then you can't see the great big bevel teeth uh, at the front. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't care too much. I think, I think it's, it's all right, but the looks aren't the clever bit about this. The clever bit about this is the fact it comes with. All of the drivetrains. All of the drivetrains and all the permutations possible with all the drivetrains yeah. as well. You do have to click through on the link in the show notes because I was not prepared to just basically copy this all out because one, that's not how we do things. But two, you need to read. There is an awful lot of options and, and permutations here, depending on whether you go for the hybrid, the plug-in hybrid, the full electric. The mild hybrid. Yeah. So there's there's all sorts of options. How, which ones we get over here as well compared to what will go to the US and China. But inside, because the, the, this is a car that is mainly for someone to be driven in, yes, not to drive. Inside there is an awful lot of things you can do to vajazzle the inside of the car. <laughs> there's There's a cinema screen, if you so wish, which folds down from the roof. It runs across the width of the car. And and may or may not have a camera in it. There is some debate about this. Originally, people were told it doesn't, but it seems it does, so you can do video calls or whatever. Oh, goody. Camera mm-hmm. in the cabin. Camera Big fan in the of that. Cabin. Be great if it's, you know, if it's a chauffeur-driven car. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, do click through on the show notes. There's a lot of things. 
Currently on the UK BMW website, the i7 starts at 108,000. And the, uh, what is it? I think it was the starting range for the, was 70 something thousand for one of the other drivetrains. Tra- traditionally, BMW starts about the upper middle of a drivetrain when it launches a new model and then launches down the way. So we may see that come down. Yeah, and currently they are offering plug-in hybrids for uh, the existing models who've got prices. The 2022 plug-in hybrid doesn't have any price at all. So, But I would imagine it's somewhere similar to starting at 76 and then the next one up is 80-odd thousand. So around quite a chunk of change, but then you are looking at the top of the range. Yeah, I love the way that the used car for sale at the bottom of the Autocar article here lists the BMW 7, uh, 730D M Sport for twenty grand with only 40,000 miles on the clock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So d- buy one used. <laughs> Wait a couple of years. That was 2015. That was seven years old. Worth yeah. a small fraction of what it was. Right. Take us to Lexus then. Lexus have unveiled the RZ450E. It is the Lexus uh, model based on the new electric global architecture, uh, which was also underpin the BZ, the Toyota BZ4X and its Subaru counterpart, uh, which I can't remember the name. It's, what is it really? It's an electric SUV coupe thing it's a bit like the nx in size it is a bit like the nx in size it looks bigger than a ux i think it's quite a good looking thing the interior Um, even has buttons by the way it has a massive screen but it still has buttons as well yeah i mean typically with an electric vehicle people just blank off the front and whilst the the grill it it isn't the uh, predator grill but it is got it's got the shape and they've and they've you know texturized. I think it's the, a spindle grill out, Andrew. Right. Bearing in mind that people may have heard this just before I meet them tomorrow. It's a spindle grill. Meet you, not me. <laughs> yeah, meet me, not you. you get away with saying whatever you want. But I, I like the way that they've they've dealt with the front. Really clever features, as well as the electric drive trade and all that kind of stuff that you'd expect, is steer by wire. So it will actually be possible if you choose the one motion grip <laughs> don't even go there option uh, then it's then there is no steering column it is completely electronic between the steering wheel and and the steering rack uh, supposedly that will still provide as much feedback as as traditional uh, as traditional steering if you do go for that you can in turn be a tesla wannabe and specify a yoke type not a wheel steering wheel which has um many buttons around the boss of it and looks a bit like something out of kit really i'm, I'm but not that convinced. it's it, it that doesn't if you read the detail on that that's not as bad as it sounds because they limit the angle to 150 degrees Mm. Yeah, so, you can't spin it right round. So you it, can't it, spin it, it right round. So you don't get the problem that we would all imagine you would you would have. Yeah. So therefore, it the ratio will be different than you would get on a normal steering wheel at that point. It would have uh, to and be. it will completely vary. I'm sure it will vary based on a huge number of different factors being taken into account. So much as I've mocked 
seeing yokes in other vehicles, having that explained to me, I now want to try one. Yes. Yeah, I think I think it probably is kind of Ah, well, you know what it's like. It's Toyota and Lexus. They don't tend to roll anything out unless they're pretty certain it works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when it when it comes to power and all the rest of it, it's got a hundred and fifty kilowatt front motor and eighty kilowatt rear. So that's a total of two hundred and thirty kilowatts or 309 brake horsepower, which will give 320 pound-foot of torque. That will give you a 0-62 of 5.6 seconds, so it's not trying to claim that it will rip the skin off your face as you accelerate away, and it has a limited top speed of 99 mile an hour. One thing I've noticed is that they're aiming for an official range that will exceed 250 miles, yay, but the energy consumption should be less than 3.45 miles per kilowatt hour. That's that's pretty decent. Yep. Andrew, quick, uh, just worth mentioning the article we've also linked um, from Salon Privé. Yes, um, Motoring Research, or more to the point, Tim Pitt, was at Salon Privé, and he's written an article about the eight coolest cars that were there uh, that you can run through. Think of it as a slightly amalgamation of new, new car news and a list of the week so have a run through there because there is some really stunning looking stuff that looked a great event to be fair it does always look a very lovely event yes the weather helped but it did look lovely yeah yes yes uh and where was it oh this year it was at uh it was at the royal hospital at chelsea as opposed to somewhere in the city which was very difficult to get to which it was last year Mm -hmm. morgan super 3 was a very cool looking car oh uh toyota gr86 very quick run uh, no, you can't have one. Yes. <laughs> Two years worth of production for the UK uh, has all been reserved. Yes. All done. Took 40 minutes. Well, we we have said, haven't we, for ages, if a manufacturer makes a car that you've been banging on about, you have to go out and buy it. Well, looks nice like people to see have. That people have been doing that, yes. Good thing about this for me, though, is it puts it back on the, it puts it back on the, it's not really available in the UK list um for for the us so that's uh that's good news <laughs> good news okay some some less good news when it comes to people who wish to move a lot of lot of others and stuff around uh, who doesn't who doesn't want a van derived car citroen is ending production of the grand c4 space tourer so this was I think the, yeah, it is the last or one of the last remaining traditional MPVs yes. that you would think of that, that helped, that brought the whole thing in before SUVs came along and stole their thunder. They're not making it anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, in discussions on Twitter, I know some people had asked Citroen a while ago about how can you have the Berlingo and this if they essentially do the same job and the response was apparently yes we are looking at that and this Mm. is the answer yes so there we go so it's a shame for because i know there's a there's a few people i know who who have these and they really really like them yes Uh, one of the big wins that people like is it's it's uh three three isofixes across the middle isn't it yep yeah that's that's a that's been quite a significant selling point on these I think you. I think you really are forced to the van-derived cars now if you're going to have that. Well, of course, occasional presenter Alex Grant has one. That's their family vehicle, and for exactly that reason. Yep, restrain the little people. Um, 
old new car news, Nissan is pulling the plug on Datsun. So Datsun, they relaunched a few years ago, three years ago, as the idea being that it was going to be a low-cost vehicle for some developing markets where perhaps Nissan sold cars, but Renault and Dacia uh, didn't. Uh, so they were going to introduce Datsun, and they never really introduced much, um, apart from some stuff in Russia, uh, some other places, but nobody really that bothered about it. They didn't really invest in it at all. Uh, so they pulled the plug on it. There we go. Yep. Very short story there. Yes, shame, but it sounds like it was uh, poor management. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, it was meant for for Russia and really to parts of Africa as well, uh, where mm. Datsun had been far more popular beforehand and sort of sub- sub-Saharan Africa, and uh, didn't really didn't really catch on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right, lunchtime read, and uh, we have an uh, an article for you to read from Nir Khan. It's on LinkedIn. And he's asking, what was the question again? He's What he's doing is he's suggesting that we do need to return to old briefs and see what we can come up with now. And this is as much as anything to try and get designers, and I would suggest for the rest of us who aren't designers, but to get us to think about a problem that the original brief was trying to fix and see what we would come up with now knowing what we know and all the rest of it could could we make something better mm-hmm. i think it's a really interesting idea it's it's a really interesting suggestion and it as ever it's an excellent article from near it is it is it's wor- well worth your time as always yep near is just generally well worth your time to be honest that's true it's one of those people it's quite sickening really <laughs> <laughs> list of the week this week is Anthony Ingram from Haggerty, and it's five reasons to avoid the autoroute on your next French road trip. Yes, some of us tend to just sort of automatically aim for the autoroute, and that's that. But yeah, he took a trip to, to France just the other week, avoiding the autoroute, and he covered a lot of France. Not jealous at all. No, no, mean, tell me about it. Yeah, so some very, very lovely pictures as well. And yeah, just about why you should why you should explore france rather than just blatting down the autoroute yep at least in one direction anyway yeah makes a strong case Uh, and i think the the final point just sums up what a road trip should be all about anyway yes yeah very true thanks for that anthony still dislike you intensely for the fantastic time you look like you had yeah everyone right at the minute yes (laughs) right the and finally and this is a a link to the new uh, Mazda Museum online website they revamped the actual museum and when they did so they decided that they would uh, spruce up the online version so you get to go through the various zones going through the history of Mazda and seeing um, the stuff that they produced, the stories behind it all, some videos as well. It's a fabulous way to lose quite a bit of time. Great drone fly-throughs, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Is just superb. I I really do enjoy this because they go into some technical details as well. So it's not just Mm. the cars, it's engines and some of the tech on it and Mm. all this sort of stuff. So, yeah. I'm very much in favour of that. 
it's very cool it is very cool and great for wetting your appetite to actually go and see the go and see the real place absolutely yes absolutely love to it is it is definitely on my list of places to visit in japan which is quite a long list by the way well it's a long way away so yes most of japan is yes (laughs) need a month or two i think yeah yeah just don't get into that kind of level (laughs) no particular parish notes this week no Uh, i'll be putting up best of photos on instagram throughout the week um, I actually took a whole load of them, and it's really nice to have lots of good ones to share. So that should be good. That's it. We'll be back normal time next week. He says, looking at Andrew, because I've got no idea what I've agreed to right at the minute. Um, I believe it's normal time next week. Yes, it's normal time next week. Join join the club, yes. So no, normal normal setup next week. Oh, Zoom Zoomers uh, next Monday evening uh, as well, because that will be the first Monday of the month. Otherwise, that's us for this week. So don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know more detail about where you'd like to go in Japan, what's the best way for them to find that out from you personally? Uh, via Twitter, although really I should sort of sit down and find myself a quick 15 minutes to write an article on it. Contact me via Twitter where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. <laughs> the dancing monkey and I... <laughs> We'll be back soon. I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.